Less sugar. I mean, kind of, yeah. Well, we had no sugar to be with, so... Oh, I mean, Stephanie was here. Oh, now we're not as sweet because we lost our girl. <laughs> a little bit. Oh. Can we start over? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just life in general. Oh, uh, that would be nice, yeah, right? Yeah, Getting to some, start some... over from level one again? Oh, I see what you did there. Well, let's continue this line of discussion. Uh, hey, this week was Nintendo's... Oh, we're Atomic Monsoon. I, I'm Andy, that's Josh. You just heard the DefM Records All-Stars. You can find more about them on defmrecords.com, uh, or at least all the bands that made up the All-Stars, whatever. Um, yeah. Hi. Yeah. How you doing? As you were saying. Yeah. This week was uh, Nintendo's 130th anniversary of a company, yeah. as being a company, uh, since being founded in 1889. They've been around for a couple of years. Yeah, uh, 130. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, through, that's <laughs> through two world wars. Through three centuries. Yeah. Nintendo has existed in three different centuries. Yeah, Josh. that's impressive. That's that's longer than Ric Flair's been wrestling, but not by much. And <laughs> kind of making games the whole time. You know, yeah, in some way or form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they started making Hanafuda uh, playing cards, which are... Hey, you're uh, braver than me trying to pronounce that. <laughs> I have a roommate that was a Japanese major, so I have a... Uh, I, I, I cannot See, I've been trying pronounce... to learn it while you sleep stuff, and yeah. I'm an insomniac, so I don't sleep, so I just don't learn it. Oh, so it's everything's just omelette du fromage for you? Uh... Okay. There's, there's one person that was a big fan of Dexter's Lab who will get that joke. Okay. I don't know who it is, but one person. Yeah. I'm sure who listened to this would be like, I remember Dexter's Laboratory. I'm going to do fromage. Yeah. Soccer hooligan, that's about the other language I speak. <laughs> I don't I don't speak soccer hooligan. Yeah. I don't speak soccer or hooligan, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost pikey a little bit, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Nintendo. They're kind of a big deal yeah. in, in pop culture, right? Yeah, they, they've been around for a little while. Um, I, there was a point where if you were alive in the 80s that it wasn't called anything other than, oh, are you playing Nintendo? It doesn't matter if you were standing in front of an arcade game, right. a computer, right. or anything. Uh, it's Tiger true. Electronics handheld in your hand. It was, oh, you're playing Nintendo? Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo just became so synonymous with video games. It's like Kleenex and facial Or a Band-Aid. Or Band-Aid yeah. and, and adhesive uh, medical strips, yeah, uh, or Xerox and photocopy machines, right? It's just, yeah. hey, that th frisbees and flying discs. Mm -hmm. Frisbee is a trademark of Whammo. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nintendo just kind of became video games. Period. Yeah. Um, unless you were somebody's aunt, in which case it was probably Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, or mm. Nintendo. Oh, well, technically, it probably should be Nintendo. Uh, based, based on the way that Japanese pronunciation works. Yes. But uh, we're American, goddammit. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think that just came down to marketing kind of thing. Yeah. That's why they didn't call it the Famicom home computer system. But right. Let's get into that a little bit later. Let's let's start, you know. Oh, we're going to start right in 1889? Yeah, I we go way back. Let's just talk a little bit about how Nintendo got started. Uh, Nintendo got started by Fushijiro Yamauchi. Uh, first of all, while I do have a roommate that majored in Japanese, um, I did not major yeah. in Japanese, so I, f let me apologize universally for the rest of this episode. <laughs> uh, if I butcher some Japanese name, I am terribly sorry. 
I'm doing the best I can. I have more knowledge than most Americans in terms of speaking, uh, pronouncing Japanese words. Eh. Um, but I am not an expert. Yeah. I am not properly trained in Japanese. So it um, happens. Language barriers are there, man. It's, it, it, it happens. Yeah. But they started out making playing cards. They did. They did for like 50 years. Nintendo yeah. just made playing cards and like weird random toys. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you got this cool <laughs> timeline of stuff, right? And it's 1889, Nintendo started making flower cards. 1902, they started first Japanese company uh, to make Western style playing cards. Yeah. That's cool, right? Like poker cards in Japan. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they started seeing like things coming from, because they, they were a fairly closed off society for a long time. So Absolutely. things like that were still becoming novelty. And it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it was like, oh, what, you know, what is this? It's not our, you know. I can't pronounce the type of game that those cards were for, but right. <laughs> but you know those you know getting a pair of game, uh, cards for a different type of basically solitaire and different card games and things like that was a huge novelty. Yeah. So they introduced those to the Japanese market and it really took off. It it yeah. helped them solidify themselves and survive through two world wars. Definitely. Um, yeah, and going through just this, I mean, between eighteen eighty nine and nineteen fifty three, everything about everything we have listed here is different types of cards or. Um, different ways of incorporating the company, yeah. slight name changes, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they, they grew and they did little things, you know, they made different types of playing cards, different sizes, right. different types of like artwork and things like that. Um, things didn't get really changed for the company as far as cards go, other than the types of cards right. until so, the post world war two, 1950s. Right. Yeah. 1952, uh, the consolidated factories all moved to, uh, Kyoto. Yeah, they kind of um, consolidated a little bit. They kind of brought everything a little bit more in-house. Um, they kind of went overseas and saw how small the actual growth industry, what the growth was for a just playing card company. Right. Back in, uh, it was it was slightly after World War II, the owner of the company went over there and went, this entire company, all they do is playing cards, and there's like seven employees, and this is the biggest playing card company in the, in the United States. Right. Okay, we can only do so much. So they decided right. to try to branch out to do other things and yeah. uh they they had some name changes it went from uh i can't remember the original name of the company but then they went to uh oh. his last name and nintendo yamauchi nintendo and company yeah there we go yeah and then uh, it eventually just ended up becoming eventually just nintendo ltd or something yeah. to around around those effects yeah it's nintendo playing card company limited and other yeah. variations yeah variations of nintendo yeah. but that was when they started to branch out into other things they uh, had a few failed attempts at doing various things like love hotels uh mm-hmm. taxi company mm-hmm. Uh, just a fair, you know, a few different things that they tried their hands in to try to see what they could get a market in, in, you know, that post, post-World War II era of Japan. It didn't really work out too well. Uh, not until 1966. No. Um, no. and this is something that actually wasn't on your list of things here. Uh, Gunpei Yokoi, who, uh, is a name that's going to come up a lot in this conversation. Um, he created the Ultra Hand. And the Ultra Hand yeah. was, it was, uh, you know, in the, like the Bugs Bunny cartoons, it's like there's the, the grabber hand. It's the grabber hand, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, you, you have your two things and there's like a, the, in, the X yeah. fence kind of looking thing, right? And it squeeze, you, you squeeze it left and right and the, the hand goes and reaches out and grab things like yeah. the Bugs Bunny boxing gloves kind of things. Yeah. Right. Um, and what was funny was right before that, just a couple of years before that, they had introduced a, uh, what would have been a future item that every well, I shouldn't say everybody, but lots of people would be buying out of airplane catalogs and sharper images, which was basically the Roomba. 
They had really, yeah. They had a little handheld, and again, it's a name with a C that I can't pronounce or anything sure. like that. It was it was just a little tiny vacuum that you would put into your house, and you can rec- use a remote control to huh. control it around and just remote control vacuum, which is a little tiny little thing for a Japanese apartment. They're not very big, sure, and you know, just little tiny. Room vacuum would be perfect for like an office or a studio like this. You know, yeah. You literally just like, hey, you get to play around with it. You know, it wasn't a toy. Right. But, but it, it was be. going into that market. Yeah. They, you know, they put that out. It wasn't super successful, but it was a little bit. But the novelty of it mm-hmm. was more of a success than the actual item was. And then they started going into the, what you, what you were saying, the ultra. Yeah, the ultra, the ultra hand, hand. And, and other um, similar types of yeah. basic kids toys. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Gunpei Yokoi just made the ultra hand while he was messing around and bored one day he kind of saw something something inspired him and he was like oh that'd be cool what if we made that and um yamuchi-san uh whichever uh, i lost track of which <laughs> which yamuchi was in charge of the company at that yeah. point uh but basically it was like hey that thing's great and we're gonna make a bunch of those for christmas and it ended up being really successful for them yeah um and it had knockoffs was, around the world right right yeah yeah, um, and Yokoi ended up working at Nintendo for a long time after that, and yeah. uh, created some uh, big things that we'll we'll get to later. Yeah, it's funny is uh, you know as a kid it wasn't that the Ultra Hand, but I mean still grabber claws were everywhere still when right. I was a little kid, well, and that was what. 30 years later. Right. <laughs> so it yeah. Just, yeah. You know, almost 30 um, years. But I mean, any of us that grew up in the late 80s and early 90s probably had those weird Terminator grip hands. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. that's kind of an extension of the Ultra yeah, Hand. Yeah. I mean, those right? were just kind of the cheaper to make version of it because yeah. the, the Ultra Hand was at the time, I mean, it, w- it was neat, but it was kind of a. Uh, like this springy, like it had yeah. a lot of pieces that could break. Right. Whereas the grabber claws when we were kids, that was just the, you pull the, the handle and, and the, the little whole clamp. hand. Yeah. yeah. It would either be a, uh, uh, like, like a crab clamp yeah, kind like, of thing. Or it would just be the hand that would just grip. Right. To grab the Coke right. or whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it was just, yeah. You know, they, they were pretty cheap. But still fun. I always wanted one. It was yeah. always something that I always, always goof around with one of my friends that had them and stuff. It was it, such a simple, simple, simple idea and toy because it's literally just, Extending your arm a little mm-hmm. bit is all <laughs> all it is. Yeah. But so, man, they went like hotcakes. Based on the success of things like the Ultra Hand and, and some other toys and games, um, in 69, they, they reinforced their game department and were yeah. like, hey, okay, cool. We need to, like you said, expand out of just playing cards and, and get into some more stuff. And here's a good foundation to be built on. Um, so over the next few years, they would develop some things. Uh, 73, they developed a laser clay shooting system. Yeah. Um, which was the foundation for Duck Hunt. Yeah, yeah. It it had some success and some failure. Uh, right. It didn't go over great worldwide. No, but it was really successful in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they tried to incorporate it in more than just Japan and it didn't it was that was a failure. But in right. Japan they were it was it was a thing. It was I mean arcades in Japan and they it mm-hmm. was they had other things other than the uh, the laser clay pigeon thing. It was yeah, they, eventually they had a, they a had bunch had of different light games and stuff. They really really got into it. Right. Um the first three light gun games that came out for the NES were were Duck Hunt and Gumshoe and Hogan's Alley. Yeah. And all three of those have their origins in the light gun game that or yeah. Or clay shooting game that they came up with um, for effectively arcades. Yeah. Um, the reason they didn't take take hold uh, worldwide is because it's a big installation. Yeah. And um, it was like putting a bowling alley into your arcade. Right. Not Without yours. having a bowling alley. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, a lot of them were made from abandoned bowling alleys. Oh, that's funny. So that would be why they look like bowling alleys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That's actually pretty funny. Yeah. And there were, there were home versions of some of those games as well, like yes. the, the Duck Hunt one. Uh, right. You can find images and stuff that out online and everything. And just see it. It was just the early precursor to the Zapper. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, there's there's one toy, and I think it was on, uh, I want to say Jeremy Parrish's YouTube website. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have been The Gaming Historian. And both of them, both The Gaming Historian and Jeremy Parrish do wonderful video game history oh, yeah. series. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, they get into very specific detail. They do. And, and yeah. dates and times and, and everything. Um, one of them, and I unfortunately I forget which one, but you should check out both of them and subscribe to both of them on YouTube. One of them had a, a sample of one of the old toys, and it was like this wooden little like action figure kind of guy. Yeah. And you'd shoot him with the light gun, and he'd fall over. And then you'd hit a button or pull a string or something, and he'd stand back up. And uh-huh. then you could shoot him with the light gun again, and he would fall over. Fall back over. And it was kind of this cool little like light gun toy. Yeah. Absolutely was the the predecessor to the to the zapper. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um. But they they innovated a lot with that. They started getting a lot into. They were one of the first companies to incorporate electronics into toys in Japan. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. far as Japan Japanese manufacturers go, yeah. They started bringing like a lot of like the light gun technology and things like that into different types of toys, and started making different toys with different types of electronic components to it. Uh, just depending on if it was a you know wind up toy or a light gun or just different. Th- they they started really innovating a lot over there for Japan. Right. And they were one of the companies that really helped bring a lot of the uh, a lot of people today and in, in, in think of Japan as this like technological like you know what I mean mm-hmm. they make all the cool stuff first kind of thing and and they do for a lot of technology but it wasn't always that way no no you know, for the, sure the, 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 the Nintendo was definitely one of the companies I'm not saying that they were the first to do it or anything no. like that but they were definitely one of the leaders as far as bringing them up to the technological innovations that they still provide right with you know with a lot of the different like handheld devices and different you know just innovations mm-hmm. they made with their televisions and other things you know I mean Samsung and a lot of those companies they, they got their start with a lot of those Japanese companies yes. that were over there yeah and, and quite frankly it's easier to do in Japan because it's such a significantly smaller country Country. Yeah. Um, it, like when you don't have to produce, you know, when you can produce 50,000 of something instead of 5 million of something to as a test, like, yeah, let's test it in a smaller market. Let's yeah. see if, you know, putting a camera on your cell phone is a good idea yeah. and people will actually use that. Yeah, and with the, you know? with the just the Japanese society having such dense population pockets right. and everything in such small areas, mm-hmm. and it, it's, just, it's a great testing ground for a lot of those things Absolutely. and a lot of the little innovations to see, okay, hey, we can make this slightly better and we see how a large group of people mm-hmm. use this that are all together. You know, mm-hmm. and just, it's, it's interesting to see, see how that works. But Nintendo, a leader. We'll get back to test marketing at Nintendo in a little bit. <laughs> Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, jumping ahead, kind of through the '70s, just more experimentation with electronics and um, early video game stuff. Yeah, um, they were trying to do a lot of like uh, uh, make video games. I'm trying to think, the the Game and Watch series, that kind of stuff that they were trying to innovate and and get that going. Uh, it, it was it was all very interesting. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a lot of handheld stuff even early on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Gunpei Yokoi also innovated the Game and Watch series. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he had this interesting de- design philosophy, which wasn't let. One of the things that Nintendo gets uh, kind of dissed on now for is that Sony and Microsoft are always like, "Hey, let's get the biggest bit of technology. Let's get the newest thing in our yeah. game consoles," and Nintendo doesn't. No. And that's because their thinking is rather than going for the latest and greatest thing that we don't really know how it works, let's find a solid piece of technology that's maybe a generation or two older that we have figured out how to exploit and can get and manufacture cheaply. 
Yeah, and well, even when they do the technological leaps forward, uh, mm-hmm. like something like, and this is skipping ahead a little bit, like sure. the Power Glove, right? Which was a motion sensing yeah. video game design. Which it was a great, it you know, the technology for it was starting to get there. It was it was not quite. It was a hugely forward at the time, right? And then just with the actual glove itself, with the sensors and being able to do the different things, and it just it wasn't quite there. But it was. And it was the Nintendo Incorporated, and then went right. back to a couple days decades later and went. You know what? <laughs> we we did pretty good with that. Yeah. If we got better tech now, yeah. Let's what, try to get it. What if we didn't make it a wait. whole glove? What if we yeah just had fun with this yeah. little remote instead of having a glove? It's just one little one little thing that you got yeah. right here. We'd have to worry about pressure sensor technology and the fingers or any of that stuff right. or any you know a big dangling cord and just this free floating thing here. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to see how they went back. I mean, even with the light gun technology that they used decades prior, and then hey, we're going to put this on the Nintendo and mm-hmm. you know just it's it's interesting to see how they innovate and then re- able to reincorporate those innovations right. later on. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, so 1980s, the, when the Game & Watch comes out, um, also later in 1980, uh, Shikiro Miyamoto, also a very important name in Nintendo yes. history. Um, in video game history, period. Designed Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, you might have heard of that character. He's a giant ape. Yeah. Uh, and his uh, carpenter rival, who was named Jumpman. Yeah. Um, Jumpman later got renamed Mario after the landlord of Nintendo of America's headquarters. Uh, yeah, just happens kind of. When, when did they change him to a plumber from a uh, lumber or a, a carpenter? A carpenter. Uh, you know? I believe that was actually the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Was it okay? I don't think that the word the word plumber may have appeared in the American version of the Super Mario Brothers. Because even in in uh, the Wrecking the, Brothers, yeah, they yeah, <laughs> there was no plumbing in that. No, no, yeah, a Wrecking Crew, sorry, Wrecking, wrecking crew. crew, Wrecking yeah. Crew, not yeah. Wrecking Brothers. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Um, 1981, Donkey Kong becomes a worldwide phenomenon. Um, Universal Pictures humorously tried to sue Nintendo over the Donkey Kong trademark because it was too similar to King Kong. Universal Pictures had released a version of Donkey Kong in, I want to say, 77, right? And so we're looking... King Kong? I'm sorry, King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, And just a few years later, Donkey Kong becomes this big thing. Um, During that court case, it turned out Universal Pictures did not own the rights to King Kong. Yeah. So the whole thing got thrown out and Nintendo got to keep their giant monkey. Yep, yep. Because if I remember right, the, the... Copyright had lapsed by then, right? Um, Universal had licensed it. Oh. So they didn't own okay. King Kong. They were borrowing it for their movie. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think by that point, King Kong may have hit public domain or something. I, yeah. don't, I don't know the specifics. I just know Universal tried to sue to basically cash in on the success of Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out they did not own King Kong, so they couldn't. Like, their lawsuit was just thrown out because, like, you don't have a case. Yeah. You don't own the thing you're claiming you own, so yeah. bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so 1983, uh, the Famicom starts coming out in Japan. Yeah. Um, Which is a, a pretty big deal. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. uh, uh, the whole video game crash. So in America... E.T. killed everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny. Everyone blames E.T., but there were so many other factors so leading many things, up to... So many. It's just, it's the one thing people can point at. It's this. I mean, ET was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you it's, that. It's, but the, it's the one thing where they, they can actually go like, "There's a legitimately a landfill full of video games." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The Famicom or Family Computer comes out in Japan, and um, suddenly you can have better quality video games at home. Yeah. Than the Atari would let you have. Um, 
Yeah, much better quality than the Atari. Not as good as, as arcade, but no, but it's still a huge step up yes. from what the Atari was. Yeah. And especially from what the crash of the Atari was. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was that was 83 that that started coming out, right? Yeah. Uh, or maybe it was released in 84. Um, but development definitely started in 83. Because um, Nintendo did a pretty good job with those, some of those early titles. Like the, mm-hmm. the Mario Brothers, it didn't look that different than the arcade version right, of it. Right. Donkey Kong looked L- different, but it didn't look that different. Right, and it wasn't as especially different when as the Atari the, version. Yeah, especially yeah. when you look at the arcade version versus the Atari version. Right, the Nintendo version looks the so The Nintendo much looks better. like the... Arcade version. Yeah. I mean, it, it just yeah. yeah, it's on a home TV, but it looks like the arcade. Right. Yeah. That that was yeah. the the. Oh my goodness! It looks right. like the arcade. Yeah. 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 You, know, you you get some of those those old style games, the you know your Space Invader types, and you know those kind of games that were coming out early on the NES that they looked right so much right better um, than even some of the PC games at the time. Yeah. I mean, the Commodore 64 was still still a workhorse, but the colors on it? Right. You had a very limited color oh, palette Oh, man. When you, you could look at the, the color palette on that versus an NES game, you just like... It wasn't even a comparison. The, that, the graphics might look slightly better. You might have slightly more pixels on the six, Commodore 64, but everything's pink and blue. Right. And the NES had that 64 color palette. Yeah. yeah. Um, you look at games which, like specifically Mega Man on the, right. the Commodore 64 versus mm-hmm. the NES. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, Mega Man looks beautiful. On the Commodore 64, is all those right, pixels nice and everything, yeah. and everything. But but it's as soon as you start moving or shooting or doing anything, it, and everything's pink. Yeah, every, like it just yeah, it's yeah. It, lo- it looks terrible. Right. Um, it's funny too. The Nintendo had a 64 color palette, right? Yeah. Uh, but like eight of those are just black. So <laughs> different shades of black. No, well, different shades of hashtag zero 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 uh like it's it's just all there's eight colors of black uh but whatever like it's still 52 colors or 56 colors is still more than any other yeah game console at the time yeah um so you go back and look at the last thing that most people have which was the atari right compared to the nes right or even if you look at the intellivision and clicovision like the nes just blows them away oh yeah you know and and part of that goes back to gunpei yokoi's uh philosophy of hey let's take some technology that's maybe not cutting edge but that we figured out how to manipulate and um exploit to the best of its ability yeah right um yeah so um 84 famicom comes out in japan the versus system starts hitting the arcade and that's uh uh, at least Japanese arcades, and it's you know Nintendo in the arcade basically, yeah. but some altered two-player versions. Um, 1985, end of 1985, going back to the test market thing. Uh, yeah. The NES is released in America in New York and Los Angeles. Um, everyone kind of points to 85 as like, oh, the NES came to America in, in 85, and I was like, well, kind of. It came to it came to t- the two biggest cities, mostly um, in like sh- Sears shopping mall, like yeah. sh- Sears uh, department stores. Wow. Sears department stores mm-hmm. <laughs> and some shopping centers. Um, and yeah, very few kids. I mean, a lot of kids in those areas, but yeah. overall, very few people got a Nintendo in 85. Yeah. Um, it wasn't mass rolled out until summer of 86. Yeah, because I don't even think it wasn't even in the Sears catalog in 85, was it? No, no, it was too yeah. new. Yeah. The catalog was like printed by the time that yeah. Nintendo was setting up their, their install bases. Yeah. Um, Gunpo Yokoi uh, designed Rob the Robot. Yeah. Um, which I never had and always wanted. I, I also never had a Rob. Uh, I've had a few chances. He's always been a little bit more than I've wanted to pay yeah. for him. Um, 
he is a cool looking thing, but he only works at two games, but that's all he had to work with. Yeah. Um, the thing that Nintendo did, and, and this is kind of an infamous story at this point, right? Um, they redesigned the Famicom into the Nintendo Entertainment System so that it looked more like a VCR or like a, a piece of equipment you would have. Yeah. Um, so that it didn't look like video games because they knew the American market was very uh, fragile and and people were very weary of jumping back into video yeah. games because of the big crash in 83. It looked as different from the Atari as it possibly could. Right. And the other top inserting... Right, it yeah, wasn't a top-loading yeah. console. You had the, the front-loading thing like a VCR yeah, that or, or Betamax. That you couldn't see the game or anything right. inside of. And it they just... redesigned the cartridges so that they were bigger and looked more like a VCR tape yeah. than the Famicom cartridges And they did. could fit on the shelf with your VCRs in the box. Yes, they could. Yeah. Um, and then Rob the Robot was designed to make the Nintendo have the appearance of being a toy. Yeah. So, hey, it's not a video game. It's a toy and it's an, an electronic system. It, 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 exactly. That's why it came with the light gun. Yes. That, that is, was another thing. Right. The zapper because, was another thing. Using, yeah. Reusing the technology from those uh, yeah. previous arcade things that yep. we talked about. Because that was an arcade thing. That didn't have anything to do with video game systems. Right. Yeah, that was an right. arcade thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Nintendo did, uh, they did their research, they looked into the American market and they said, hey, we're doing, we're killing it in Japan, but we know that there's more people in the United States and therefore more money to be made. Yeah. Um, so, you know, while Nintendo has been and still is a, you know, Japan market first, they know that there's a lot of money in the U.S. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so they did their research and, and they, they uh, yeah, redesigned everything to appeal to the American audience. And mm -hmm. um, I'll be damned if it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it worked. And it, it brought back the video game market. It did. It absolutely did. Um, I mean, we wouldn't have, I, I, I think it's safe to say we wouldn't have any of the stuff that we have as far as video games go if it hadn't been for Nintendo bringing back the market when they did. It might have come back later. Yeah. But I don't, I, I don't think we would have the video game industry we have today if it hadn't been for Nintendo bringing back what they did. I, you're probably right. I think that there's the possibility the possibility yeah. that the Sega Master System may have occupied the space that the Nintendo occupied two years later. Because um, the Master System came out two years after the NES. Yeah. And, and There's I would, a possibility yeah. that, that, but I don't know if, if Sega at the time... Uh, would have even had the success that they had if, if it not for, been the, for NES. the NES. Right, right. Because the Master System didn't look like the Nintendo. No, it looked more like the Atari. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like a video game system. Yeah, and yeah. I... I know, remember when we were looking at stuff like that, my mm -hmm. dad was hesitant to even look at the Sega stuff. Right, because it looked like video games. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Was, it was like, it looks like the Atari. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you even know, the it, black cartridge for the game. Like, mm -hmm. I, I remember my dad distinctly being like, yeah, that looks like Atari stuff. You don't want that. Yeah, like, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Right? Like, it's not Atari, but it looks enough like it. Yeah. Like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I even had a, uh, I, we had gotten it at a yard sale uh, when I was a kid, uh, one of the original little Pong plug-and-play plug TV yes. things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember he, he was like, it's trash. It's Atari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it just, that, that name had, it was completely tarnished at that point. It was yeah. just like, eh, it's, it's trash. And they really um, never recovers from that ever. So we're going to jump ahead a bit because I just realized we've already gone through half the episode. Um, 86, the Famicom Disk System came out in Japan, uh, which is 
I highly recommend looking up the Gaming Historian's yeah. uh, video on the gaming disc system. Uh, it's a fascinating piece of technology. We did not get it over here. Um, probably better that we did not. I think that... No, it, w- it would have been too much, I think, for the American market at so. the time with the collapse of, that had happened and everything with our... Right. way our media and stock market, everything work. It, it, w- it wouldn't have been a good good move for that but it's fascinating it's really worth watching yes the gaming historians yes. stuff on it um let's see 1988 nintendo powers first issue came out yeah which was um, a huge success in america yes i want to give a quick shout out to my buddy tj who uh when i asked on my personal facebook account for nintendo memories he was the first one first comment was nintendo power <laughs> um so thank you for reminding me of that because i would have forgotten it completely you know uh, it's, it's funny uh there are a ton of people that have little stories about, yeah, I got my name in Nintendo Power for this or that, mm-hmm. like celebrities mm-hmm. and all kinds of video game industry people that like, oh, yeah, you know, me and my brother, we submitted a score and an issue, blah, blah, blah. You can see our names. Yeah. And go back. Yep. There it is. Yep. You know. For sure. Yeah. Which is awesome. Right. Yeah. Like it, everyone that contributed to Nintendo Power, even if just getting even a letter. Even felt. Uh, yeah. But everyone that contributed, even getting a letter printed, like they're part of Nintendo history. Yeah. You know. Um Unfortunately, Nintendo Power can- got canceled in 2012 due to, you know, just the magazine Industry, market yeah. Yeah, declining. Uh, but it, it does exist again. Uh, it relaunched in 2017 as a podcast. Um, so basically the modern version of uh, yeah. magazine. Yeah. Much like what we're doing now. Uh, <laughs> listen to us first. Um, <laughs> unless you just want Nintendo shilling stuff at you, basically. Which is what Nintendo directs are for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1989. Uh, also designed by Gunpei Yokoi, our good friend. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did a whole episode on handheld gaming, so I don't yeah. want to get too into that. But uh, wonderful bit of technology. Arguably the most successful video game console ever. If yeah, you, there's arguments to be made for like units sold versus, right. but then like failure rate. And it just it, there, there's arguments to be had between mm-hmm. that and the PlayStation mm-hmm. Two and a couple others. But I, I would say just because of the longevity of the Game Boy, yeah, I give it. And if we count the, the Game Boy's uh, predecessors, well, the following, the ones that follow it, that's not predecessors. Predecessors come before. Oh, that's right. right. Successors. Successors. If we count we the the DS, the 3DS, and and even the Switch. Well, uh, I mean, if you want to go that, then you can just go all the way back to Game and Watch. Yeah. Yeah. Because the modern ones look like the Game & Watch. <laughs> it's really true. And even the Game Boy looks like a, a fancy souped-up Game & Watch. Yeah, so. I, I mean, it's, it's I, I would say, though, but the Game Boy is a brand, just period. Yeah. Just yeah. good grief. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, you know, as we know, the U.S. Uh, Game Boy shipped with Tetris. Yes. Um, once again, I'm going to refer to the Gaming Historian. If you have not watched the Gaming Historian's episode on Tetris. It is 46 minutes long or something. It is like a crash course in international copyright law. Yeah. It is incredibly fascinating and you never would have guessed that Tetris had so much weird like people like black market selling rights to Tetris. Yeah. Um, Gaming historians on YouTube. Of all things. Of all things. Tetris. Tetris. Yeah. Right? This thing that I play for free now on my Switch with Tetris 99. uh, (laughs) And I've really gotten into these daily challenges and it's kind of sickening. Uh, (laughs) um, It's okay. I've been playing a gotcha game for three years straight, so I understand. That's fair. Yeah. Um, But definitely, uh, if, if, if nothing else, if you get nothing else from this episode, go to YouTube, look up Gaming Historian Tetris, it's, it's you know, like I said, 45, 48 minutes long, something like that. Uh, it is incredibly fascinating and not at all what I expected when I turned that video on. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of fun. Uh, 1990, Super Famicom. 
Super NES uh, in 91. My favorite system of all time. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got my Super NES Christmas 92. Um, I don't still have the original one because it broke, but I do have a replacement Super NES. Um, and I, I, I kind of love that weird gray and purple box. You know, I, I really like the design aesthetic of it. I don't remember um, the year I got mine. I remember it had been out for a while before I got it because mm-hmm. I had, had saved up for a while and I was still getting Nintendo, regular Nintendo games sure. and stuff. And, you know, because uh, they were starting to get cheap. Mm-hmm. So that was, for me at the time, it was, I don't want that yet. Because right. I can get all these games I never got to play. Right. So I was, I was, my mom used to like to go to yard sales and stuff like that. And man, I would hit up those Nintendo game bins. You'd have people sitting there like, oh yeah, just $5 each or something like that. I'd have 10 or $15 saved up allowance for a few weeks or yeah. something. Yeah, go just, get yourself a few new oh, games. Get myself three games I didn't get to play before. Yeah. Uh, you know, just that's how I, my Nintendo library uh, that I ended up, I held on to for a long time mm-hmm. uh, before I had to end up getting rid of it. But that was how I grew a majority of it was just going and getting those. Like I didn't have con- cases or anything for most of the games. No, just the but, cartridge itself. Yeah. yeah. But, man, I had all like, – every game I had ever wanted to play, I basically found. And the few that I didn't, I found later on. You know, just, yeah. It, it, was, it was funny during that time just – Everybody getting rid of stuff. So. Right, because everyone wanted the new hotness. Yeah. Right? Everyone's looking at the, the next evolution yep. of everything, and, and you were sitting there like, well, what is Mega Man 6? Yeah, yeah, right? just little things like that. Just, you know, I, you know, I never played these Ultima games. What are those? Right. You know, yeah. Just things like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know, I can never afford that Final Fantasy game. I always wanted to try that. Mm-hmm. And then that was the last game that I've picked up before I got a Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. Because that changed the way I played video games I, after that. Yeah, and going from Final Fantasy on NES to Super Nintendo yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Because I, I played like <laughs> Zelda and a few of the other ones, and sure. you know what I mean, like uh, Dragon Quest. I liked those a lot, but those even those like I didn't play all the way through. Sure, they got so hard. Yeah, you know, as a little kid, like right. you're just like good grief. You yeah. know, you get a lot of the action stuff, but then Final Fantasy that one that changed everything, and then started getting over the Super Nintendo, which had some of the best RPGs mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to touch real quick, real yeah. quick on some of the technology the Super NES uh, introduced. The Super FX chip, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, which yeah, yeah. they put into Star Fox first. A mm-hmm. um, couple other games, Super FX Racing, yeah. uh, which finally just got its first re-release ever on the Switch. Oh, did it? Yeah. I used to love that game. I, I, I had my copy somehow. I think I let somebody borrow it or something. Like I picked up and it had like mud in it. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. And I, I it just it was a such a weird game with the anthropomorphic, uh-huh. like weird looking like yeah, the eyeballs. Little, like, Eyeballs on the, and the headlights on, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. That game in Uniracers. Yeah. Uniracers is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 94, we got the Super Game Boy, right? So you could plug in the Super yeah. Game Boy to your Super Nintendo, plug in your Game Boy carts to the Super that Game Boy. That was a huge deal at the time. Yeah, because it's the first was... time you got to play Game Boy games on a regular TV. Well, yeah, and then that immediately opened up the library for your Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. had, like, for me it was, I can play Link's Awakening in color. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yep. I'm sold. Um, 94 also saw Donkey Kong Country, which was Nintendo using pre-rendered 3D sprite, or pre-rendered 3D CGI graphics yeah. as in, and turning them into sprites um, so that they could run on the Super NES, which made it probably the most, the best-looking 3D graphic game that there was at the time. Um, it's still beautiful. It's still beautiful. The first Donkey Kong Country still looks really good, and that game came out in 1994. Well, that I game's mean, even... 25 years old. <laughs> Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo still looks really good. Still looks fantastic. Right, right. I, th- a lot of those there is there is something timeless Nintendo games. Yeah. Uh, that that whole philosophy of doesn't need don't, to be the best technology. Right. It needs to be the best this technology can do. Right, and that I, I kind of feel like the Nintendo games always mm-hmm. focus on that. I mean. 
Well, and, I mean, 1994, right? Like, the next year, we had the PlayStation and the Saturn coming out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they had the real-time, like, you know, live-rendered 3D stuff going yeah. on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you could which get those cool. sewer shark games, which was neat. Right. But I still thought Donkey Kong Country looked, looked cool. Looked better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely, definitely. Um, 95, we got to play it loud, Game Boys, which were the Game Boys in all yeah, the different colors, different right? colors, yep. Um, where it's just to say Starting to get the, the cases 90s were different neon. colors. Yeah, Fad. yeah. Um, I was a big fan of the Nintendo's whole Play It Loud campaign. Uh, uh, maybe just because it was '94 and I was or '95 and I was 13, and that appealed to me as a you know early teenager. Yeah. Uh, but Play It Loud in the early to mid '90s—that's a cool campaign. '95. Um, we also got Killer Instinct on the Super NES, yeah. right? Um, also using the pre-rendered 3D graphics that Duncan Country did to make a, a fighting game. And that um, game was so neat when it first came out, man. There was yeah. nothing like like it just no. looked, it looked and played so different than everything because like we had right. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, mm -hmm. but Killer Instinct was so fast. Right. Yeah. At the, at the time, it was such a like yeah step of difference like in just the like wait how many hit combo what is going yeah. on here <laughs> for sure the first time you see one of those hundred hit combos and you're just like what in the name of fighting games just happened here <laughs> yeah um 95 we also saw um nintendo produce its one billionth game cartridge wow right so in in the span of 11 years nintendo as a company produced one billion game cartridges that's amazing. That that's how successful of a company they were. Yeah, um, and you know you got to give it to Nintendo because like is a lot of people don't like the way that they did some of their business practices as far as like you can only release so many titles as a third party company. You right. can only do these things. You have to get our Nintendo seal of approval. You have to do this, this, this. Right. But at the same time, Nintendo was in a unique position to where they were rebuilding the video game market. Right. On their own shoulders mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. So. It's hard, like, I mean, it's it's easy to criticize, like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. We could have had even better games and done these. Other. Like, yeah, maybe, but they were rebuilding it, and the, the right. rules were kind of the, like, hey, we're doing this, and we're making it successful. You want to play by it, you got to play by our rules. Right. Unfortunately, they kept doing that too long. That's very true. But but, but they, uh, in, in, I mean, in whatever defense, and I, I you know. In the, the mid to late 80s, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Nintendo was kind of yeah. the only game in town, you, you know, whatever. No one was Later on, that, that hurt them once with, like, but, I mean, with yeah, the whole ten, Sony ten years of doing that. And, yeah. 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 Uh, went on too long. Um, That's why Sega was able to get that little niche in the market, uh -huh. and then Sony eventually, uh -huh. just because Nintendo was a little too stringent about how they did this. Um, 1995 also saw the Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, unfortunately, designed by Gunpei Yokoi. Yeah. Um, that would be kind of his last big thing that he did for Nintendo. Yeah. Um, going all the way back to 1966 to 1995. Um, that's that's a long lineage of being at the company, right? Yeah. Um, he did. Uh, design the, the redesign the Game Boy as the Game Boy Pocket, right? To make yeah. it a little smaller, a little more compact so you could actually fit it in your back pocket. And unfortunately that was also And that was literally the last thing. Well it I mean it did okay, but at that point there were so many Game Boys that Yeah. You know it, it was it was considered by the company also a failure, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And it, it it was one of the things where if you had a Game Boy, why did you need a different Game Boy And that was kind of right the, it just there wasn't enough of market at that point the, right there, the market was getting ready for the next technological jump. Right, which would be the Game Boy Color a yeah. year later. Which, the Game Boy was still putting out things that looked good. Yeah. But 
it was ready for that technological yes. jump. The the green, yeah. the, the twelve peak, colors the of green. green yeah. were, we were done with it. We yeah. had a Game well, Boy Super fairness, Game Boy color thing, and yeah, just in fairness, the Game Boy Pocket was closer to just straight gray. Yeah, right. It, it didn't have the the pea soup green, but screen. it still was. But the still, same, it was. Know. It was. Yeah. Hey, it's still a black and white thing, and it's you yeah. know the mid nineties. When did the Game Boy color come out? I can't remember. Um, I want to say ninety eight. Probably right around there. That sounds yeah, about right. Yeah, 97 or 98. Um, yeah. This list gets a lot more detailed as we get further into it. Yeah. We are not going to be able to get past the no, 90s. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Nintendo, though, they, they keep innovating, though. I mean, even yeah. through their downtimes, where they had their downtimes with the 64, even though... The Nintendo 64 was huge. It was, but it was also... It didn't win, it didn't win against the PlayStation. No. But it beat the Saturn... Oh, definitely. It beat um, the Neo Geo CD. Yeah. Right? Uh, the CDI, the 3DO. It was right? just a setback for them because they lost so much. They lost a lot of market share. Yeah. Because of their earlier, like we said, their earlier business practices yeah. keep continuing to be kind of draconian yeah. in yeah. the way they did business. But at the same time, they still revolutionized. Right. Mario 64? There are people who still say Mario 64 is one of the greatest games of all time. There are people who still say that Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is the greatest game yeah, of all time. It, they, I vehemently disagree with them, but there are a lot of people who say that it's the greatest game of all time. When you look, though, at the PlayStation Saturn mm-hmm. 3D games mm-hmm. that they had. Don't hold up. And then go to the Super Mario 64 game. Right. The controls. Yeah. Light years different. Yeah. No, on I... I um, I, every the, so often, I'll pull out like Nights into Dreams for my Saturn, yeah. or I just bought Bug last Which summer. Which is is a great. They are they are both great games. They the, pale in comparison yeah, to the, Mario sixty four yeah. and Nights. I I feel like that one was kind of a lead into the analog controllers and stuff. Yeah, and it, well, it, it came was, back with one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it was great. It just it it wasn't as good as Mario sixty four. But the stuff that was on right. over on the PlayStation at the time. I mean, look at Resident Evil. Right. Pressing up and doing the, like the horrible tank controls and uh-huh. stuff they had on those kind of games. Like they didn't have like the, no. the controls were terrible. And the Nintendo's like, hey, we're gonna go with this analog controller and uh, oh here, here's 3D gaming. Here, all of a here's Mario 64, a tech demo that is arguably one of the best games ever. Yeah, right. And like how how is your tech demo one of the best well, games ever? <laughs> and that revolutionized the 64 because uh, mm-hmm. just controllers and everything else. Because Every, ev- within, after that within point, two years, everything had, ev- had analog sticks. And everything, everything had gotten away from sticks. Yeah. Everything had gotten as far away from sticks as they could unless you were buying a fighting controller. Right. They were just like, no, 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 we don't want to do sticks anymore. Even the, I mean, look at the PlayStation. The, the PlayStation controller still, their D-pad is four buttons. Yeah. It's not a pad. It's four, but it is, but it's under the thing. It, yeah. The visual is it is four buttons so that you look at a PlayStation controller face and it is four buttons and now two analog sticks. Yeah. Right? Like, but that's, yeah, that's how far. And then there were four buttons on, like four shoulder buttons on the top. Nintendo yeah. also it, uh, revolutionized the shoulder buttons, right? Yeah. With the LNR and Super NES. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just so much, so much that we have in video games comes from Nintendo and uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I, I, I love Nintendo. I mean, they've got their faults. They've got their the good things. I, they, yeah. My, one of my favorite things about them is that, like, like you had said before, that philosophy of, like, let's do the best we can with the technology we have kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I think that's always shown. I mean, it just one of my all-time favorite games, uh, as far as Nintendo games, period, is, is and I, I really want to get a Switch so I can play it, uh, the Link's Awakening. Yes. Love that game. I yeah. really want to play the remake really bad. Um, I have... <laughs> Bought that game over and over and over and over again over the years in different versions and on digital and you know, yeah. every time there was a Game Boy Color version, I'm gonna get that one. And that game, it started off as a as kind of a, like a joke. It was people in 
Nintendo putting together pieces and like all of a sudden like, oh, hey, we got this game. And I'm going like, oh, it's for the Game Boy. Go ahead and make it. Yeah. Go ahead. You can do whatever you want. Like, just go for it. It's for the Game Boy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it ended up revolutionizing the way, revolutionizing the way Zelda games went from there that point forward. There are so many things that come out of Link's Awakening. The fishing. Right. The, just so much came from the, like being able to combine items. Mm-hmm. Like just so much stuff came from that game. The kind of weird mission quest that Zelda's become. Yeah. yeah <laughs> or has become for a yeah, long time. Yeah. So many strange yeah. things. And they got to incorporate so many random things like chain chomps and goombas. Right. And just, yeah. Because it was on the game where they got to do whatever the heck they wanted uh-huh. to and just, just go for it. You know, the, a crane mini game. Like just a lot of weird things. They, some kind of trippy story with a fish that's sleeping on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would, just, they, but it didn't become one of the most endearing games, and it was just them perfecting a little bit of technology because that's still an amazing looking game on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Even by today's standards, that game looks great on the Game Boy. Um, the Nintendo sixty four brought us GoldenEye. Yeah, right. And without GoldenEye, I swear, first person shooters would not be as prevalent as they are now. Yeah, they were starting to die off pretty hard. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, the the Doom series was kind of stagnant and everything. Yeah. It had all kind of died off because yeah, I mean, everything like, was more console than it was. There was right. still PC gaming. I'm yeah, not saying I mean, it was Quake like was kind there was of a big Quake deal. Arena and stuff, right. but like, but nothing, nothing. It, it wasn't. If not for GoldenEye on the N64, as much as like people don't like to remember it, it that was a people playing on land parties. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was. It was a. There were people playing it, but it was. I, it wasn't. Uh, it was. It wasn't as celebrated as esports are today for the people no. that were playing Quake Arena and things no, like that. It, for was, sure. it was definitely a, uh, it was a market, but mm-hmm. those of us that were playing were not a lot of people. Well, and not a lot of people were. I mean, there were a lot of PC gamers, but they weren't. They well, were a lot of people few... didn't have computers that could play right video games. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it just it was still. It was still kind of the wild west of PCs in general. It was. It was, um, and it was the early and no days one of the was internet. Anything for Mac, it was, yeah, so, yeah, it was such a weird. A weird time where in technology was advancing so fast, like a graphics card. What is a graphics card? What does that mean? What? Right. what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got the 2001. We had the GameCube come out. Yeah. Um, great system. Yes. Yeah. I, You know, I sort of had checked out. Uh, 2001, I was starting college, and so I had sort of checked out of a lot of oh, video yeah? game stuff. Um, I got really into the... PlayStation 2, the Dreamcast and the PlayStation 2. Okay. Um, so my Nintendo knowledge at that point gets sort of blank. Um, yeah, I, I was a diehard of... for the GameCube, man. Sure. I was, yeah. I was, I was touting it when everybody else was, was telling me I was crazy. I went and picked it up launch day and everything. And I There were a lot of really fun games on GameCube. Um, I mean, I played a ton of Smash Brothers Melee with my brother. Yeah. And that game is still like one of the top draws at Evo every year. Oh, yeah. Right? Great like, game. I absolutely, I still love that yeah. game. Yeah. Mario um, Kart Double Dash, I still think is the best Mario Kart game. That game is super fun. Um, I really enjoyed Donkey Konga. Yeah. Right? With yeah. the weird the bongo controller. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There um, was two of those. There was. Yeah. yeah. And the Jungle Beat game where you yep. play Donkey Kong Country with the yeah. Congos. Yeah. Um, bongos. Congos, Congos is one. Congos is one. Bongos is two. But Donkey Konga I is a better were, pun. Yeah. I think they called them Congos yeah. though with a K. Whatever. Like Con- <laughs> I think that was actually right. I could be wrong on that. It could though. be. Yeah. Not important. No. Um, they were fun to use. Yes. Um, uh, there was something else on the GameCube. Oh, the Metal Gear Solid remake, which wasn't from Nintendo. It was third party. But no, but it was great. The Resident Evil remake, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. getting re-put on all kinds of consoles still to this day. Yeah. Uh, the Zelda, um, the Twilight Princess. Yeah. Amazing game. Yes. Uh, there was uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, games on a Nintendo system, the Perfect Dark. Or not Perfect Dark. I'm sorry. Uh, um, oh, God. I just had a brain fart. Uh, it was... Uh, Perfect Darkness. 
No, not Perfect Darkness. I'm. Uh, I keep saying that. Insanity's Requiem. Yes, that's Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness. Yes. There we go. Uh, I have the cover in my mind. I'm like <laughs> looking at the lady. I was like, the game over screen. It resets your memory card. What was yes. that like? Uh, that the game. Where the volume goes up and down on yeah. you. Yeah. That ga- I, that game got me the first time I played it. When it went to the DOS looking screen, <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I went out. I reset my game, and then it did the exact same thing again. I was like, "Oh my god! I have a broken copy of this game." Oh, my buddy and I sitting there on my couch, I'm going like, "Oh man, that sucks, dude! You're gonna did you save your receipt? Like, we're having this conversation about uh-huh. what am I gonna do?" And all of a sudden, it kicks back on again, and we're like. <laughs> What the heck is going on here? <laughs> that game was so much fun to play. Yeah, and such a mind. Screw. It was so different than anything else. The graphics weren't the best in the world, but it no, was so but... different. That it just mm-hmm. that part where it shows like your memory card being deleted. <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, we also got the Game Boy Advance in two thousand one. Yeah. Um, which... which I also had hooked up to my GameCube, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Right, because the Game Boy Player came out uh, two thousand two. Well, two thousand three. They um, did something unique on the GameCube. They had the Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Oh, that's right. Which was the game that you could play and hook up four Game Boy Advances into the controller slot for yes. it. Yes. And each of your characters had their own menu, everything on your Game Boy Advance that you could use, and you used the Game Boy Advance as your controller. Mm-hmm. And you got to play a four-person Final Fantasy game. Yeah. It was it was a really fun, unique game, too. It was, it was And it looked so good. Still looks great. Um, I got a Final Fantasy, or I'm sorry, I got a GameCube Advance. Um, game Boy? Game, oh, man. It's Friday. It's been a long weekend. There's so many, <laughs> so many words. Uh, I got a Game Boy Advance first week. I, I tried to get one first day, and uh, there was slightly not enough money in my bank account. Yeah. Um, I, I got paid two days later, and I, I ended up picking one up while I was visiting relatives in Massachusetts. Oh, there you I go. I got the last one at that KB Toys, and yeah, I never went to that be. KB Toys again because uh, they went out of business next yeah. year. Um, yeah, and I got uh, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, and uh, I, I enjoyed it, except, boy, that original Game Boy Advance screen was super Oh, dark. man, brutal, brutal. I um, still I still want to take the, because I've got several of them still. Uh, I would really like to replace the screens on them so they're backlit. Yeah. Uh, 2003 saw a lot. Saw the Game Boy Advance SP, saw Metroid Prime, saw Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, the Game oh, Boy Prime. Player. That was one I didn't think about. Um, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Like, just so much. So much stuff that, like, that, that, that was all 2003. Um, 2004 saw Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green, which I think were the first Pokemon remakes that we got. Yeah, I don't... Um, that's Oh, we skipped over Pokemon to... coming out in 98. Yeah, there, yeah <laughs> one of the biggest things ever. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, I, yeah, I just... I we're almost get through... out of time. There's so much... Like, Nintendo is just... They've got this gigantic history. They and do. It's so um, good. My roommate told me this wonderful story about going to E3 in 2006, and I don't have time to tell it. Oh, really? <laughs> but basically, uh, because he was playing Mario Kart, he and some friends were playing Mario Kart in line, the Nintendo reps pulled them off to go see um, the big thing that they were premiering that year, and they just like, cut them ahead like an hour and a half in line. See, that's fantastic. Right, because they were like, oh, you're playing, you're playing Mario Kart DS in line at our thing at E3. Yeah. Yeah, no, okay, so you're actual See, fans. Come on, let come check this yeah, out. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. Right. If you, you know, you're a company, you're like, oh, these guys are actually playing our product, uh-huh. not just standing in line right. to, to see something right. or to get something free. They're actually here because they like it. Yeah. Let's get them in there. Yeah. That, that, those are the people's reaction you want to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess I did get to tell the story, just the very short version. Um, <laughs> uh, man, yeah, and then you go through... The whole rest of the 2000s, like it's it's yeah, the and, Wii, and they the had their ups and their downs. Yeah, right? they, they had their ups and downs. They're downs with the GameCube's back up with the Wii, but slightly down with the Wii. The, the Wii U comes out, and and, and the Wii U goes, just had this really unfortunate marketing. Yeah, party. yeah. I, I still talk to people now who are just like, oh, you bought a Wii U? 
can I borrow it for my Wii? And I'm like, that's not, it's not, not just we, a controller, yeah, guys. It's a yeah. whole. Yeah, it was such you know? a, it, they just needed to name it something else. I don't yeah. know why they did that. It was bad, bad marketing. It but, really was. But then the Switch. <laughs> but then the Switch. Uh, we got the, Well, we got the 3DS in 2011. Just wanted to make sure we, we mentioned that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which we, we went over quite a bit in our handheld episode. And, it's true. Which we also ran out of time on because yeah. we. Because there's so much history. So much in information, stuff. yeah. Um, and we keep telling all these little personal anecdotes. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention real quick Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U might be my favorite Mario game of all time really I've never gotten to play that one Uh, neither did anyone else because no one has a Wii U yeah Um, (laughs) I I, I, I do legitimately hope I can wait to see one of them for cheaper on Craigslist or something like that and no 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 (laughs) Um, Nintendo has re-released a lot of Wii U games on the Switch Um, have they yeah I I did rebuy Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, my roommate bought jo- Donkey Kong Jungle Free- uh, Tropical, Tropical Freeze. Tropical Freeze, yeah. Um, Which was supposed to be really good. It is. It's really solid. Um, Cranky Kong gets to pogo stick like Scrooge McDuck did in the DuckTales game. Oh, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like, uh, uh, Hyrule Warriors got re-released on, oh, on the nice, Switch. Nice. Like, they, they did a lot of, like, hey, here's a lot of really good games that no one played. I really hope Mario 3D World gets a re-release, even if it's just a download. Yeah. Like, I, I would really love to have that on the Switch on yeah. the go. Um, and, hey, the Switch came out in 2016. Um, Bre- Zelda Breath of the Wild kind of re yeah. Vitalized Zelda and yeah, um, and Nintendo's it, making all kinds of moves. Um, yeah, they, they seem to be getting pretty buddy buddy with Microsoft. They've got all kinds of crossplay stuff going on in there now. That yeah, um, they're starting to get into the, the cell phone market a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Kart just came out a day or two ago for the cell phone. A couple one of the guys oh. in the at work here has been checking it out too. And I'll have, just, to, you I'll know. have to download that this weekend. Yeah, so they, they, they're it's Nintendo man. They're always yeah. moving and shaking and doing all kinds of stuff. And um, Smash Bros. Ultimate just came out like a year ago yeah. or not even a year ago right and that, yeah that which speaking is... of xbox they got banjo kazooie on Dude, on there and they're and so then, much fun and then creator of smash builders talks about xbox and hey you should go play banjo kazooie and ends up selling more xboxes than xbox ever sold <laughs> <in Japan. laughs> right yeah it just it's 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 man nintendo um, they, they can even sell other people's systems and this week this week we got the switch Lite, and yeah. we got the legend of zelda Link's awakening remake yeah right happy 130th anniversary nintendo yeah uh, Hopefully so, there's more to come in my lifetime. I, yeah, another 130 years. <laughs> yeah, man. 120, make it around 250. All right, well, send us your favorite Nintendo memories. We want to hear some of them. Yes. Uh, let us know any topic, topics, anything like that you want us to talk about. Uh, we got some interesting stuff coming up here hopefully soon, some interviews and things that yeah, we, we've got, we're uh, going to be bringing your way. And October is probably going to be Transformers Month. we yeah. got the Arizona Autobots charity cosplay group coming in next week. Um, i got some other stuff that I'm finalizing, lining up, and, yeah. and we might have three or four weeks of Transformers-related stuff in a row yeah um hopefully <laughs> hopefully fingers yeah, crossed everyone yeah. is yeah, able to we get all, you finalize know, everything schedules line up and everything like yes. that but we're, we're hoping to bring you guys some fun here for for october and yeah. uh we'll see how things go and uh Send us your stories. We want to hear how, how how you guys remember Nintendo, your fond memories, maybe your not so fond memories of Nintendo. Whatever it is, let yeah. us know. Hit us up on the socials and uh Atomic Monsoon everywhere. Yeah, there we go. Otherwise we'll see you all next time. Woohoo! Here we go! Ha <laughs> ha!